Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. That's how we're taught it is. Monday to Friday, then two days off for a weekend, and then back again Monday to Friday. But who says you have to do it like that? Suppose you want to take off an extra day a week, maybe have a three-day weekend. Why should you have to work five days a week with just two days for the weekend? Well, that's what we talk about in this episode. I'm Jeremy Klein, and this is Change Work Life. Welcome to the Change Work Life podcast, where we're all about beating the Sunday evening blues and enjoying Mondays again. Now, we have it ingrained in us from quite an early age that working five days a week and then getting the weekend off, that's just the way it is. It starts when we're at school, then continues through adulthood. But does that really have to be the case? Might we all have the option of working fewer than five days a week if that's what we want, if it suits us? Sure, it's not uncommon for new parents, particularly, it has to be said, mothers to work part-time. But why not everyone? Well, this week, I'm joined by Liana Etkind, who has looked into this in quite a lot of detail and who actually wrote a paper as part of a master's degree all about this subject. Liana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Before we turn to the subject of working shorter weeks, can you give us a bit of background as to what it is that you actually do for a living? Sure. I am a community engagement lead for a social enterprise called Civic, and I work closely with libraries to transform them into community-led public space. Wow, fantastic. So what sort of thing does that involve? I think in normal times, it involves lots of workshops and facilitation of talking to people about what their vision for a library is, what they'd really like to see beyond the kind of obvious offer of books and DVDs and really encouraging people to think, are there events or services or resources that they'd like to offer from the the library. So the library goes from being a place where the council offers things to service users to the library being a hub where local people, where local organisations, where library members can really have a great idea and initiate something, whether that's starting a sea shanty choir or starting a library of things where people can borrow a drill. But building on the library as a place where even if you're not that interested in books, there is something for you and something to bring you along and hopefully all of the interesting cross-pollination and meeting that happens when different people from different walks of life are sharing a space. Fantastic. And I should say, if anyone's listening to this far in the future, when Leanna talks about normal life, we are still in the midst of this COVID pandemic. So life is far from normal at the moment. Who knows how things are going to pan out, but we shall see. Exactly. At the moment, there's a lot more digital convening and writing about what we will do once COVID comes to an end. Yes, absolutely. So you did this dissertation, Workers of the World Relax, what prospects for a campaign for a shorter working week? Can you just talk about the context? What course were you doing when you wrote this dissertation? I did a part-time course in community organising at Quimera University because at the time I was working as a campaigner and Barack Obama had just come to prominence and everyone was finding out that he used to be a community organiser. And the more I read about community organising, the more intrigued and fascinated I was as a way of people making grassroots change. And it was such an amazing course to do, a mixture of big ideas and political thinking, but also a lot of how does this really happen, practical levels on the ground. And one of the things that kept coming up was 
the need for time so obvious really for people who want to participate in democracy and make change and every big movement that's ever happened whether it's the suffragettes or the civil rights movement or the anti-apartheid movement has largely relied as well as the kind of big figures that we read about in the history books on an army of people who might be doing door knocking might be organizing a local uh, speaking event might be writing letters to their newspapers or lobbying their mp that all depends on people having the time to participate in democracy and at the moment so many people that i know work their jobs they come home they make supper they crash out and at the weekend they do their laundry. If they're lucky, they have some time and headspace to catch up with friends. But often there's very little time to kind of go beyond those essentials of just keeping on top of the daily grind and, and time and the way that it's unevenly distributed between men and women, between groups from different social backgrounds seem to me a bit of a, an overlooked issue. So how did that translate into deciding to do this as a subject for a dissertation? A lot of it came down to my own personal circumstances. At the time, I was working for a wonderful disability rights charity called Transport for All. And when I'd taken up this job at Transport for All as their campaigner, it was advertised at four days a week. And so almost by accident, I fell into a job that left me with a three-day weekend, that left me working Monday to Thursday. And then very smugly, when my, most of my friends were getting up on Friday morning and going into work, having that extra day free in my life to do whatever I chose. And I found it was really transformative and wonderful and left me with more energy to do things outside of work, more headspace. And it was something which I felt had not only big personal implications, but big social implications as well. Because many, many feminists have written about the way that the, that the care burden falls unequally on women and the way that women are sometimes held back at work and, and have lower pay is often down to the fact that working part-time is seen as the mummy track. It's seen as, you know, a natural thing when women have children, maybe they'll go down to three or four days a week, whereas men carry on climbing the career ladder. And that is not good for anyone in society where we, we just have this mental health as well. I mean, personally, I could think of quite a few of my friends who, for whom anxiety and depression and a, a sick feeling in their stomach on a Sunday evening and thinking about the next week at work was really affecting their quality of life. And so both from a personal point of view and enjoying very much having a four-day week and from a political point of view, I felt that this subject deserved a little bit more investigation. So you mentioned how it's often seen as the mummy track and you've touched on some of the advantages. But if, if someone was to ask you, you know, maybe they're, they're not a parent or, you know, they're a, a single man or a single woman and they're listening to you and thinking, OK, but yeah, what's the benefit? I mean, what other than just having that extra time, what sort of benefits do you think people should be opening their eyes to when considering whether or not to try and achieve a shorter working week? I mean, the benefit is just having a richer and more interesting life and having more freedom to spend your, your limited years here on earth doing things that you care about, doing things which are your passion or achieving your dreams. And I think we live in a really work-centric society 
and there's a pressure sometimes, a narrative about finding your dream job, finding your passion, and lots of people devote years to trying to make it as an artist or as a masseur or finding a job that will both give them joy and give them enough money to get by on. And I feel that that can work out for some people, but it can be really difficult and competitive. And actually, having a job that doesn't have to fulfill every part of your being, but allows you the time, allows you the headspace and emotional energy to do the stuff that really fulfills you, to do the stuff that really brings you joy is so key. For some people, that might be having extra time to read novels or to learn the language they always wanted to learn or to go fishing. For some people, that might be getting more deeply involved in community life and doing lots of volunteering or really contributing lots to their neighbourhood, starting a community garden. For some people, that might be spending more time with their family or care work. But it's different for different people. And I think that everybody should be able to enjoy life now rather than deferring leisure and deferring learning and fulfillment and thinking, ah, when I retire, I'll go traveling. Or when I retire, I'll write that novel. Why wait? We should do that now. We could be hit by a bus tomorrow and life is to be enjoyed here and now. I really like the idea of this sort of blended lifestyle where, you know, some people will look for and some people will find the job which they absolutely love and work isn't work and they're happy to be doing it all hours of the day. But for many people, they either won't necessarily get there or they need the space in order to start exploring what that might look like and just working full time. They might not have the the time and the headspace in order to do that. So I think that's an incredibly valuable point. In terms of the different types of ways that people might have a shorter working week? I mean, is this just sort of working a day less than you do? Or is it, are there options like compressed hours or longer days when you are working? What sort of models are there that people should consider? Really non-dogmatic about the, the different ways people pursue a shorter working week. I think there's lots of different recipes and different things work for different people. Working a four day week, which I've chosen to do in my last four jobs, has really worked for me. But I have a friend who is actually works for the NHS and by temperament, she really enjoys working really long days for a chunk of uh, weeks and then having like a whole week or a week and a half off. And that, that pattern of really going for it and then having no work is something that that fits in with her life as well. For some people, it might be working shorter days and going in and doing a five hour or a six hour day and then leaving the office at five or six. And that's something which some companies have experimented with in in Sweden. They've been and there was a care company which had two shifts of some people starting early at 7am and then leaving early afternoon and then a shift of people who came in later in the morning and then worked later in the evening. And that helped the company to have being able to cover the shifts longer. So I guess it's a mixture of what works for the person and also what works for their boss and their workplace. And when they initially open up those discussions about flexibility, just figuring out what fits in with their role. I'll certainly come on to talk about looking at this from the employer and the boss's perspective. But let's focus first more on the employee and some of the objections that people might have, that that people might have told themselves why this isn't something that will work for them. 
two things which come to mind that I'd be interested to hear your view on. One is the idea that working, say, a day less a week means getting less pay. So, you know, it might mean taking effectively a 20% pay cut. Can I afford to do that? And the other thing is perhaps more of a mental state, a belief that in taking a decision to work fewer days a week and sort of going through that and you know saying to your boss that's what I want to do there's a fear that you know maybe you won't be taken so seriously possibly be passed over pr- for promotion if there is a redundancy situation that comes up in the future that maybe you you put yourself at greater risk if you've gone down to working a four day week or a three day week or whatever it might be shall we first talk about the the pay aspects maybe what people can start to think about to get over that as an objection I'm really glad you brought up the pay aspect because I think this is the major barrier that stands in people's way of of working shorter hours. And while there have been a few companies, actually quite a few recently during the coronavirus pandemic with people looking at different ways of working, which have offered their employees shorter working weeks, but keeping the same pay. By and large, people considering cutting their working week are also going to be looking at taking home less money at the end of the month, which is quite a big deal for lots of us, especially those of us who live in cities with expensive housing, people who've got the cost of childcare. It's not easy. I guess for for me personally, it was a little bit of an easier choice to make in that I asked for four day a week working when I was starting new jobs where I was going for the jobs where I was already getting a bit of a a pay rise just because it was taking a step up up the ladder. And that has helped. And politically speaking, I was reading that in the Netherlands, they have been offering four-day week fast-track graduate schemes, which seems to me a really excellent way of of kind of mainstreaming this from the beginning. So rather than asking people to have to readapt their life and their rent or mortgage payments to a, a smaller pay packet to just factor it in from the start. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a difficult decision for lots of people. And I would just say there's lots of resources out there about living a more frugal, simple life. And sometimes you might make the decision that you might be able to afford less in your life, but you will be happier. I definitely spend less because I work four days a week. For example, I've got the time to do some hunch, hunting and gathering in the charity shops, which I kind of quite enjoy rather than just going, ah, I need a new work wardrobe. I'm going to go online. And I I take a pleasure in things like fixing my own bike punctures. It sounds silly. I definitely take a lot longer to do it than I would if I dropped it off at a bike shop and got somebody else to do it. But having more time allows me to do more things for myself, cook for myself, for example, rather than getting a takeaway and rather than outsourcing parts of my life to professionals. And I'll link back to an episode I did with uh, Pete Matthew of the uh, Meaningful Money podcast. I'll put the link to that in the show notes, but he talked in that episode about spending purposefully. So, you know, not necessarily deciding that you have to cut back on everything, but looking at what you spend money on and realizing which things that you actually use. So it's not necessarily cutting out the, the one Starbucks or Costa Coffee a day because you really like it and you enjoy it and it's part of your ritual but it's looking at things like well am I using 
my Netflix subscription or Disney Plus subscription or Amazon subscription. I mean, there's so many different subscriptions that you can have these days. Am I actually using all of them? Am I using my gym membership? That sort of thing. I mean, I guess at the moment, no one's using their gym membership, but that sort of thing. So it's, it's not necessarily taking this, you know, really frugal, oh, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to start doing all of my cooking for myself and all of my cleaning for myself, which frankly might defeat the object of trying to get more time in the first place. But it's being purposeful about what you spend your money on. That makes a lot of sense. And I think in the longer term, if we think about having a culture change and having a society where people have time to both work and have a life, that really needs to go along with things like raising the minimum wage. But the, the fact is at the moment, you know, the average wage in the UK is around £30,000. And it might be easier for people who are above that to start thinking through that option. And I guess another thing is, Thinking about the junctures at work where you might be in a position to ask for a pay rise and asking for more time instead. So I think lots of organisations are thinking about ways to reward their employees and that doesn't always have to come in a pounds and pence ways. There might for some people be a way of saying to their boss, look, I've hit all my targets this year. I think I would normally be in line for a pay rise. Would it be possible instead to leave early at Friday lunchtime instead? And that might be a way for some people of keeping the, the money they need to live a decent life, but also having more time. I really like what you were saying about what they're doing in the Netherlands about starting on four days a week. Because I think there is definitely a, if you start with something, then you kind of get used to it. So if you start with a higher salary, then, you know, maybe your spending rises to meet it. Whereas if you start with something which is a bit lower and with the four days, then you kind of, you make it work, you budget accordingly and you get into the habit, which is going to be quite a challenge for people. But I can see as a, it's a really interesting starting point. The other way of doing it is at the other end of the people's working life. I think the mainstream way is you work and work and work Monday to Friday and then you retire and you fall off a cliff. And lots of people find that a very difficult adjustment to make. And there's evidence that the mortality rate actually rises after retirement where people are just like, oh my gosh, what do I do with my life? <laughs> And I think some employers are beginning to look at the possibility of rather than just going from five days a week to nothing, giving their employees an option of going down gradually in a stepped way from four days a week to three days a week, maybe combining that with a handover um, to new staff as well. And I think that is such a great way of easing gently into a new phase of your retirement because Leisure is a, a faculty that we develop. We don't come out of the womb with an ability to enjoy, I don't know, reading literature or to enjoy gardening or whatever hobbies we get into. That's something that we learn. And I think retirement can be a time where having just a bit of extra time to start exploring new friendship, new group, new interests, uh, bit by bit, not all at once, can be massively helpful. So what about these other fears, these fears that oh, if I go down to four days a week, then I'm not going to be taken so seriously as an employee, I might be passed up for promotion, I might be first in line when redundancy hits. How, well, first of all, are there, is there truth to those objections? And then secondly, whether there is or isn't, how do you kind of get over those and, and stop them preventing you from possibly taking this step? I've had a fairly good experience with my employers being open to four day 
a week working but I think culturally speaking this these are still right really real concerns and often you know we live in a society where work ethic and working hard even to the point where it's making some people ill is valued and is something to think carefully about and it's something where the more of us who take this path make it easier for people who come behind us as well i remember talking to a friend who works in engineering a very kind of male dominated sector with some elements of machismo who talked about how he had requested taking shared parental leave and taking a few months off to care for his new baby and he got quite a pushback and you know did he not care enough about his career and his work and he was a strong enough person to to go for it anyway and set an example of a successful senior employer who'd taken that that chance and I think like any change in society in the workplace sometimes it's about the trailblazers who who can show that it is possible for me when I first went for a job that was five days a week at a small campaigning charity and said actually thanks for offering me this job I would love to take it out can I take it up on a four day a week basis there was some skepticism about whether such a busy job could be done properly on four days a week or whether some things would get left undone and the way that I approached that was framing it as a pilot and saying okay let's not commit to anything now let's try this during my probation period see how it goes review again and I think that made it a little bit safer for my new employer to say yes to and I think it reminds me of another actually earlier podcast episode with Stacey Mayer where we were talking all about promotion and she made the point that just working harder and working longer hours isn't necessarily going to be the way that gets you promoted, particularly to senior positions. And it's much more about communication and advocacy and demonstrating the skills rather than necessarily the long hours. So if you've got the mindset of still going for a promotion and have a plan for how to do it, then working shorter hours doesn't necessarily rule it out. But I I mean, it sounds like from what you're saying, we're still somewhat in an infancy of attitude there as regards employers. So it's, it's a bit, it's going to be harder for people perhaps who are looking for promotion to see how that will tie up with working a shorter week. It's different in different sectors as well. I think maybe in creative sectors, there's more of an appreciation that it's not just about putting in the grind and putting in the hours and actually having more time when you are open to reading other things or in enjoying wider culture or just having a different headspace where instead of staring at a screen you're more open to, to new ideas I think is an attractive argument and I've certainly come across on examples of companies which have implemented four days a week across the board partly because they're a, a creative company and they recognise that productivity isn't just about how many hours you're putting in in front of the screen and I also think that maybe sometimes success and promotion at work is related to just how well you do and if you're you've permanently got bags under your eyes and it's just you're tired and it's tiring and you're spending lots of time on Facebook or chatting in front of the the water cooler that is less impressive than somebody who comes in on Monday leaves a Thursday but gets stuff done 
let's turn this around now and look at it from the perspective of the employer. Because clearly, if this is something that you want to take advantage of, then you're going to have to convince an employer that it's a good thing for them as well. So can you perhaps talk to some of the objections that an employer might raise if you go to them and say, I'd like to work a shorter week, and how you start to go about addressing those uh, objections? Mm. I guess an objection that I definitely faced was working in campaigning in politics in a field where just sometimes things get very busy fast and it's not a predictable workflow. There were just inevitably times around party conferences, for example, or times around kind of big political moments or bills or actions when there's a lot going on. And it makes it easier at that point to be able to say to an employer, you know what? I can be flexible about this and work with toil with time off on you and have times where, you know what, I might be working five days a week or even more than that at certain times of year, even though my contract might say four days a week. On the understanding that when things calm down again, I can go back uh, to four days a week and take some toil as well and claim back that extra time that I've been doing. And that's not an option for everybody. I really recognise that. I've been lucky enough to be able to do that. But people with caring responsibilities might not be able to say, oh, there's a big rally coming up and I'm going to be working in there until 8, 9, 10 p.m. in the office, um, knowing that, that I can make it up later and um, go down to, to three days a week for a little while or just take them a week off but I think yeah that that openness to flexing has been a a big thing. The concept of toil time off in lieu it certainly works in some professions but certainly in others I'm thinking of the professions like you know law accountancy finance where the idea of toil it's just it's not there I mean you know the typical employment contract is your standard working hours are 9am to 5.30pm with an hour for lunch but as you will appreciate this is an industry where you may be expected to or may need to work longer hours and that or something like that and you know if you do end up working till 10 o'clock every night that's just the way it is <laughs> gosh i remember talking to a barrister friend who went to a wedding reception and stayed for the ceremony and then went to her car and typed on a laptop because of the case that was coming up grim well they're usually self-employed so it's even worse for them <laughs> but um if you're in that sort of how that sort of position i mean is there any way that you can sort of sensibly get the time back if you do agree to this flexibility I've not worked in any of those professions, so I I don't really know. (laughs) Okay, let's go back to you again to make a second point before we got sidetracked on that. Yeah, I was going to say that I think as with making any request at work, it's about thinking through in quite a Machiavellian way sometimes, like what is your employer's interest here? What do they want? And I think I'm really glad to, to see that in pretty much every sector at the moment, there is added emphasis on inclusion and diversity. And I think especially this summer with Black Lives Matter, more and more employers have been feeling uncomfortable about the fact that their workforce does not represent the population. And I think there's some really strong arguments that you can bring to bear about working a shorter week and the diversity benefits of that, because we know that it is primarily people who have caring responsibilities, which in our current society tends to be women uh, who are disproportionately affected by a long hours culture and disabled people as well. There are so many talented, amazing disabled people that I know who have so much to bring to work, but who can't sign up to doing 40 
our weeks because of, of energy living limiting conditions and I think there's some really strong arguments to be made to HR departments with their policies and to bosses about okay maybe you'll have to adapt maybe there are some things which will take a little bit of shifting around on your part or some parts of my role that could be rethought but actually this is going to help make our company better attracting the best talent there is whether that is across genders across disability status across race and more and more there's pressure on bosses to take that seriously let's talk about legal rights so the legal framework behind all this now not expecting you to know what the rules are in every single country but i'm sure you have looked at what there is in different places we're both in the uk we've got listeners in the us australia and all over the place so i mean i know that here in the uk there is a right for most workers to at least request flexible working so you can apply for it and there are limited grounds fairly wide grounds but still limited grounds on which an employer can turn down an application for flexible working what's the state of play in in other areas as as far as you're aware of i mean I'm, i'm guessing that the u.s probably has even more limited rights than the uk but i don't know that may vary from state to state the US is not known for a uh, sensible working work-life balance culture. <laughs> well, well, I'm going to turn uh, again to the Netherlands, which I think is a really, you know, forward-thinking country when it comes to working hours. And as you mentioned, in the UK, we have a right to request flexible working, which can be turned down by an employer if there's a good business reason. In the Netherlands, they turn that on their head and they say that you have a right to flexible working unless there is, quote, a compelling reason not to. So instead of the onus being on you, it it puts the onus on the employer to really have a a very strong reason why your request for working six hour days or working four days a week isn't possible. And I like totally appreciate that there are lots of jobs where it's not going to be possible, you know, if you're an emergency doctor (laughs) and uh, you are strolling out the door at 3 p.m., um, that might not work well with rotors. But that seems to me uh, a really much more progressive way to frame this. And it's no accident that when you look at the Netherlands um, from a gender perspective, it is much more equal. It is a, a mainstream concept of daddy days and where both parents, uh, men and women, play an equal part in caregiving and bringing up children. And obviously that means that in the workplace, you get less of a gender pay gap because there isn't this unspoken assumption, oh, once a woman hits her 30s, she might not be putting in 100% anymore. And, and both sexes are people people who might be doing some time at work and some time back uh, at home. So that's something I'd really love to see the UK move towards. Yes, I absolutely agree. I think that the fact that the UK has a framework is helpful. Also, the fact that there are a list of six grounds that can be used to refuse an application is useful because when you make your application, you can very specifically go through each of those and explain why it's not a reason for you to be turned down in your particular circumstances. So I think that's quite a useful way to approach it. What I'd really love to see is, and maybe this is happening at the moment and I don't know about it, about strategic legal cases pushing forward the right to flexible working. So, for example, if there's a workplace which has said yes to some mothers who want to cut down their working hours, but said no to fathers 
in a similar situation, it, it could be really interesting to start challenging that sex discrimination under the Equalities Act. Um, because formally, everybody in the UK has a right to request flexible working. It isn't restricted to parents or to carers. But I think sometimes in reality, that assumption that it's for people with kids to pick up from school still lingers. And I'd really love to see challenges to that. <laughs> yes, having said that, very few people would want to be the test case, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a brave and scary thing. So for those people who are working five-day weeks and they're listening to this and they're thinking, well, oh, yeah, I quite like the idea of a, a three-day weekend or maybe even a, a four-day weekend, what's the best place for them to start in terms of their mindset, their thinking, how they might make this happen and you know, anywhere in the world? Have you got some sort of practical advice for what someone who's thinking about this can start doing that they can use to start making it a reality? The first thing I would say is be bold, be brave. Life is short and it's the kind of niggle at the back of your mind. I think you can have lots of years thinking of all the things that you would love to do before you get older, before you retire. And to hold on to those dreams of the novel that you want to write or the, the community garden you want to grow or whatever you would like to do in that extra time. And then practically... I think a lot of it is about like the strategies that we use in work in all areas of trying to progress our careers, talk to colleagues, figure it out with people who might be allies or might have a better idea of how the boss might react or maybe you know people at work who've already taken that step and can hear from them how that conversation went and what the main concerns were and I would add that just doing the research is really vital before I took a deep breath and asked where for the first time whether I could accept the job that I'd been offered on a four-day week basis. I did lots and lots of reading and especially on the TimeWise Foundation website, which I found really useful. TimeWise has um, lots of good resources for employers who are thinking about moving towards more flexible workplaces. But they've also got some blogs and some articles about how to request flexible working from an inflexible manager or the arguments you might want to make. So in that first email where I put in my request, I uh, cited some research. I linked to a paper that had found that 90% of part-time senior employees thought that they were hitting their targets, they were successful in their jobs, um, as well as being part-time. And I think having that data ready with you to make the arguments, which make you feel much more confident about biting the bullet. And it might take time. It might be the kind of thing where like lots of things in life, you fail the first time, but you've broached that subject and maybe it's something to come back to, or maybe you've, you've started an employer thinking about what they would need to go on that journey. Yeah, more strength to your elbow if that's a journey you're considering making. Okay, so that's the TimeWise Foundation. Is that something that's predominantly from a UK perspective or is that something that can be, that will give you some ammo internationally wherever you are and whatever your sort of labour rules are? TimeWise Foundation is a, a UK organisation. I'd be interested to know if similar organisations exist in other parts of the world. So I guess from a legal perspective, TimeWise very much is speaking to the situation here. But I think some of the tips that they give apply to working with humans and the psychology of the workplace that's going to apply everywhere. It's really interesting organisation. It, it grew out of a jobs agency called Women Like Us 
which was aimed at people who, at women, who wanted to progress and have serious, senior part-time roles that both spoke to the talents that they had and also allowed time for care. But then they broadened and they recognised that more and more it isn't just women and mothers who want to have serious senior roles and be able to have lives outside work and they do some great stuff like they have the power part-timers list every year where they platform and raise up people working for really serious blue chip companies at top levels who work less than five days a week and I think it's that kind of slow culture change alongside the, the legal work and maybe some some union and some campaigning work which is is hopefully going to move us forward in allowing more people time to have a meaningful work and meaningful life outside work. I mean this isn't a political podcast and I I rarely sort of go into policy and all all that sort of thing but what what do you think are the the prospects for this sort of thing being more widely recognised, widely adopted over the next, I don't know, five years say? I feel really positive about four-day weeks and shorter working time generally being on the up. And partly I think that's taking the long view of how work has changed over the last 100, 200 years. In the 19th century, there was the movement for the eight-hour day and there were some really beautiful pictures online with uh, people with these gorgeous embroidered banners saying eight hours for work, eight hours for rest, eight hours for what we will. And we, we take it for granted nowadays that nine to five is kind of standard. But no, that was a battle. That's something that people went on strike for. It's something that people lobbied for. And similarly with the weekend, you know, it, it almost feels like a, a fact of nature now that Friday rolls around and we clock off and we have Saturday and Sunday. But that was something that initially a group of new England Jewish women garment workers pushed for because they had Sunday off as the Christian Sabbath and they also wanted Saturday off as the Jewish Sabbath and over over some decades that became standard and most of us now enjoy five-day working week so I think yeah the arc of history is going in the, the direction of a shorter working week and there's also some um, campaigning organizations like the four-day week who are making the argument that not only from a gender and mental health perspective but automation It's just such a growing trend in society. More and more jobs that used to be done by humans are being done by algorithms, are being done by computers. You can go into any supermarket, any library and find things that used to be done by a human being are now being done by robots. And we have a choice now about whether we have a cohort of people who are really stressed, working really long hours and then lots of unemployed people, or whether we redistribute work and have society across the board where people are rested, where people have time to participate in public life and most people are employed as well. I think the current circumstances with coronavirus and everything is causing people to reassess so much that this is definitely an aspect that I would definitely encourage people to look into. I think it's you know, it's, it's an opportunity to make a reasonably substantial change, but not like a sort of a whole career change, but that just could have such a benefit and make such a difference. So I'm really grateful for you to, for coming on and talking about it. Thank you. Just in the in the last month, one of my friends who works for a medium-sized charity, they have seen a big drop in donations. They're worried about 
potential unemployment and in their consultation with their staff they said what about working shorter hours and people having a lower pay as a result and that is something that they are going with so my friend is very happy to be looking at going down to a four-day week um, and having more time to to write for her that's what she wants to do if people want to get a hold of you and ask you a bit more about this as you've clearly got such a wealth of knowledge about it is, is there a way that people can do that I'd really welcome people getting in touch and happy to forward over the template emails that I use to ask for a four-day week. My email address is liana.etkind at gmail.com. So that's L-I-A-N-N-A dot E-T-K-I-N-D at gmail.com. Brilliant. I'll put a link to that in the show notes for this episode on the website. Liana, thank you so much. Fascinating subject. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm convinced everybody has the same amount of time. And it's a cliche to say it, but everyone has the same 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So why shouldn't we choose to do it in a different way to maybe how society has taught us that it's always going to be? If you're lucky enough that your job gives you as much as the fulfillment that you need, then great. But if you do crave that bit of extra time to spend time with family, do an extra project, write that book or whatever it might be, then why not explore reducing your working hours? There are clearly options out there and Liana gave some great examples of how you might make this work for you and also how you can approach your employer about this. It's definitely becoming more common and I personally know people who have reduced their hours in this way without ill effect and in fact it's been a really positive move for them. The way we work is changing and if the past 12 months have made you consider well actually you know a bit of extra time to do some of the things I love would be beneficial then think about this really consider it it's a great option if you can make it work for you you'll find a full transcript of the episode together with links to the resources Leanna mentioned and where you can get in contact with her there on the show notes page for this episode which is at changeworklife.com forward slash 71 and I know I keep saying this but it would be amazing if you'd leave a review for this podcast either on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from it really does help people find the show it boosts us in the rankings it makes such a difference so if you can take 30 seconds out just to leave a review five star review would be absolutely perfect then that would be amazing we're finishing off take action january next week with an episode all about how you can improve not just your presentation skills but your communication skills it's going to be a really great interview so stick around and i can't wait to see you then cheers bye